Welcome to the Reader House Author Roundtable, where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. I'm your host, Corey Graham. Join us here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and PodServe, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where the independent new authors come first. There's always hope. That's the message that author Carolyn Muthert is telling in her new book, Sleeping with the Enemy. I'm really happy that Carolyn is right here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Carolyn, thank you for being here tonight. Well, I appreciate it so much and the opportunity to talk with you, Corey. I'm really excited to be talking with you as well. Can you tell me all about Sleeping with the Enemy? Well, it's um, rather a journey of people in general that are so young and they take on life with no understanding of what is out ahead of them. You know, they don't listen to their parents, possibly. And so they think they know it all and they just go headlong into it, not knowing about the struggles and the strifes they're going to encounter and how to deal with them and then end up finding their way in the midst of all of it and knowing at the end that comes that day when I've made mistakes, but I know that there's always hope for a better tomorrow. Absolutely. Did you have a group of readers in mind when you wrote it? Actually, not a group. Because of associations with other females, friends, and just conversations along the way, I, all of it, all of those conversations kind of came to play in writing that. But just people that felt lost, hmm. and mostly female, I think it applies to, that maybe expresses that more openly than a guy would. Hmm. Carolyn, can you think back to where you got the inspiration to actually sit down and, and write this book and then seek publication? Well, I can. It, it certainly was a, a lot of years that brought me there. I would journal things that happened in my life or was happening, that problems I faced or just struggles along the way. Life turned around for me and faith became very important in my life. And through a lot of prayer and reading God's word, it just came up in my spirit as I was journaling one day, you've got to write that book. Because I'd been told several times through the years, different people would say from cards or letters I would send them, you need to write a book. <laughs> so I just poo-pooed that and said, oh, that's not something I could ever do. But that day, that was just impacted me greatly. So I thought, okay, I'll start. I did start writing as it would come to me what I should put on paper. But it was several years before I was able to really get into putting it all together. Mm. Had you ever done anything like this before when it came to writing or publishing? No, nothing. Wow. Congratulations on getting your first <laughs> book out there in stores. That's a huge accomplishment. What was it like when you got that first copy in your hands? Wow. <laughs> I thought, God made all this possible for me, mm. and I was just humbled by the fact that it came to be, it came to fruition. All the things that I had struggled and worked and failed at that never finished, and here it was, something that I finished. I saw it through to the end. Have you given any thought to maybe doing another book? A fleeting thought, but not now, no. Mm. 
A lot of our listeners are aspiring authors. They want to get their first book out there as well. Could you offer any words of advice to them? I would say if you know that that's really what you want, just keep at it. If it takes 10 times of starting over and that's not what you feel in your spirit is what should be on that paper, throw it away. Start over because there's always tomorrow and there's always going to be that enemy that is in your head telling you, ah, who do you think you are? So discount it and just go on. Take that next step. Don't give up. Regardless, my book is small and it's insignificant in many ways compared to so many other pieces of work out there. But it was important for me to finish that. And it's going to be important for each one of them who wants to accomplish something to keep on and don't give up. Well, Carolyn, thank you for using your story and and using the things you've gone through to to reach out and to help and inspire others. And I encourage our listeners to check this out. It's called Sleeping with the Enemy, written by Carolyn Muthert. It's published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find this everywhere you shop for books like Amazon and Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Well, Carolyn, thank you again for joining me on the show here tonight. I had a really nice time talking with you. Thank you so much, Corey. Again, thank you for the opportunity, and I send my best wishes for all that are listening and want to get that book published. Thank you again. We are talking about Alaska with author Frank J. Perry. He's written a new book called Driving to Alaska. Frank's right here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Frank, thanks for being here with me. You're welcome, and thank you for inviting me. Can you tell me all about Driving to Alaska? Probably not all of it. (laughs) Basically, it covers some of the highlights of our three Alaska drives. And I've also uh, included tips for readers who might be contemplating a drive to Alaska. How did the idea or the inspiration to write this come about? Basically, I, I was looking at some photos of our 2018 drive to Alaska from South Carolina. Hmm. And I thought, you know, it would be a good idea to be able to share this with people, maybe with a goal of convincing some of them to drive to Alaska because it's a super trip. It's quite a drive. About how long is that? Well, it's about 11,000 miles and probably takes about nine days. Wow. I don't drive 12 hours a day anymore. I'm a little older. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. So how long were you working on the book then? Probably took me about three or four or five, probably four or five months, and then five, another five months for the uh, publication process. Mm. Have you ever done anything like this before when it comes to writing a book and then publishing? No. I've published numerous professional articles, which I didn't get paid for. So this is my first chance to maybe get paid for something I've written. (laughs) (laughs) Well, congratulations. It's a big accomplishment to get your first book out there on shelves. Do you have advice for the aspiring authors who are listening right now? I think it's advice we've all heard before is write something that are knowledgeable about and that you're passionate about, which we are. We're both passionate about driving to Alaska and Alaska itself. Hmm. Have you given any thought to maybe writing another book? I have. First of all, it depends whether this is successful or not, and I have no idea whether it will be. I know we've made some sales, but I have no idea how many. And secondly, we are contemplating a drive to Alaska next year. Depends on the COVID thing in Canada, and also uh, we're in our 70s, so it depends on our health and our stamina. But if I wrote a sequel, it would be more detailed and probably a little more helpful for people planning a trip. 
I mean, there's so much to see, not just in Alaska, but, you know, you've got your Yellowstone Glacier, you've got Jasper, Banff, Lake Louise, and beautiful scenery. Once you get past Edmonton, it's just fantastic. Could you name some people in your life who have been inspirational to you or maybe motivational to you along the way? Well, certainly my wife. She's a terrific travel partner, and that's very important if you're going to drive for five or six weeks and 11,000 miles. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, I have a daughter who uh, had been an editor for years. She's been very helpful and very encouraging and very excited about my book. She said it teared, or she teared up when she saw it. <laughs> So after all the hard work that you put into this book, uh, what were you feeling and what thoughts were going through your head when you got that first copy in your hands? That's a good question. Uh, first of all, you know, certainly a, a, source, a, a source of pride. Mm. But maybe more importantly, you wonder, geez, am I inadequate? Is this okay? And I think my answer is, well, it certainly is use, going to be useful for people. Is it okay? Is it adequate? I don't know. I hope so. Mm. A lot of authors battle that sort of inner editor and the insecurities that come along sure. with putting your work out there. How do you battle through that? Do your best. That's all I can say. It's the same as I say to my grandchildren. Do your best. Do the best you can. Mm. And you do the best with anything that you try. And I've had a really you know, interesting and successful life. And that's, still my, that's been my mantra. That's fantastic. Well, I encourage our listeners to check this out. It's called Driving to Alaska. It's written by Frank J. Perry. And you can find this everywhere that you shop for your reading material. Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. And it's published by Fulton Books. Well, Frank, thanks again for joining me here on the show. You sure got me re-interested in doing something that I've always wanted to do, and that's travel to Alaska. Thanks for joining me again. I had a nice time talking. Okay, Corey, maybe we'll see you up there next year. Thank you. Children will surely use their imaginations in the new book by Heather Beach. It's titled The Adventures of Superberry. I'm really happy that Heather is joining me here right now. Heather, thank you for being on the show tonight. Thanks so much, Corey, for having me on your show. Can you tell me all about what happens in The Adventures of Superberry? Absolutely. So The Adventures of Superberry is about a cute little blue-eyed strawberry that comes to life in a little boy's dream. And they are in a magical place called Berry Island, where Max, the main character, along with Superberry, have many different adventures. Now, the book demonstrates the strong bond that two brothers share. And throughout the book, you'll see that Max, he wants to be strong and powerful like the main character, Superberry. And Superberry is always there trying to give him the confidence he needs to accomplish anything that he puts his mind to in life. So you'll have to read the entire story to find out what happens in the end. Hmm. Did you have an age range of children in mind that would best be suited for this book? This is a great book for children between the ages of four and nine. A wonderful book for parents to read younger children. It has very captivating illustrations, characters kids can relate to. And it's also great for older kids to uh, practice their reading skills. Hmm. Heather, I love the idea that your main character is a strawberry. So where did the idea for this story come from? Yeah, it's very interesting. So when I was young, I remember being in the hospital going through all these tests, and a nurse had come up to me with a sticker. And on the sticker, it had this cute little strawberry smiling, and it said, you've been very good. So, you know, I guess it kind of stuck with me throughout the years, and that kind of gave me the idea, you know, when writing this book, 
to use a strawberry as the main character. Hmm. Is this the first time you've done anything like this when it comes to writing or publishing? Absolutely. This is my first published book. Congratulations. Wow, what a Thank what you. a big accomplishment. What did it feel like whenever you got that first copy in your hands? Oh, it was so exciting to actually hold a copy of the book that I've worked on for, you know, a couple years. But it's great just to see your ideas come to life. Mm. Are you thinking there might be more on the way about writing, publishing more? Absolutely. I'm currently writing two books right now. The next one will be titled Superberry Takes Flight, so stay tuned for more. Mm. A lot of the listeners out there right now also want to put their first book out. Could you give any words of advice? Absolutely. Actually, stay determined, but my piece of advice would be that, you know, when going to submit your manuscript, definitely do your research and trying to find a publisher that works. That's a good fit for you. I had a wonderful experience with Fulton Books. You know, publishing a book can be a long process, but it's so worth it in the end. Mm. Writing a children's book is one thing, but having the illustrations done just right, just the way you want them, that's a whole other thing. What was that process like for you? It was a lengthy process. Overall, I think it took me about two years, you know, from start to finish. About a year of, you know, fine-tuning the writing and coming up with the different illustrations that go with the writing. And then like a year working, you know, with a publisher trying to bring your ideas to life. Writing can be such a lonely thing. You're often doing it just by yourself. So did you have people in your life who knew you were taking this on and could sort of support you and offer motivation along the way? Absolutely. And you know what? I think it was my children that actually inspired me to write this book. Mm. In fact, the main characters in the story were actually created after my two sons, Max and Jake. Oftentimes, when you are driven to write, you also are a big reader. Are, are you a reading fan yourself? I do. I love, I love reading. It's funny because with two young boys in elementary school, we read a lot of children's books, but reading is really important. I, I enjoy reading all different kinds of books and learning. Well, Heather, we're certainly looking forward to seeing what comes out next. This book is called The Adventures of Superberry, written by Heather Beach. It's published by Fulton Books. You can find this everywhere that you shop for your reading material, like at Amazon and Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Well, Heather, thanks for joining me again tonight here. I, I had a great time learning about the adventures of Superberry and just a really nice time talking with you. Thanks so much for having me, Corey. Creative Poems from the Lens of a Life Seeker. That's April McCamry's new book, From Death to Life, The Life Seeker. I'm really happy that April is joining me here right now. April, welcome to the show. Thank you for being here with me. Thank you for having me. Can you tell me all about From Death to Life, The Life Seeker? Yes, I can. So this book is about seeking life. It's from a lens of a life seeker who I am. So it's about seeking the source of life. And I get it from the scripture in the word where it says Jesus saying he is the resurrection and the life. So to put it in plain words, seeking life is about involving God in every aspect of your life. Well, a God is concerned about every part of our life and he wants to be involved with it. And this book is allowing people to see no matter how big it is, no matter how small it is, he wants to be involved. He wants to help us. He wants to guide us so that we can have life. He says it also in his word, I come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. And he wants us to know answers, especially things in this world where certain things may seem impossible and out of our hands and things may be too big for us to handle. He is able and capable and he wants to help, but we have to open the door to him. 
So this book is about seeking him, seeking life and learning to trust him, learning to open our ears and our mind and our heart to hear what he has to say. Because (laughs) in the world today, we may not, we may have him just in the category as belief and religion, but we don't apply him to everything else. And this book is to tell people he is involved. He is present. He exists. So we can involve him in every part of our life. No matter if it's impossible, possible, whether it be big or small, whether it be something that, you know, is just completely out of our reach, he is able to do it, Mm. visible and invisible. It's just whatever it is, he is able. Did you have a target reading audience in mind when you wrote it? Well, as a target reading, I'm thinking of the, the title of the book. From death to life, it's not exempt from anybody, mm. you know, because everybody has in their their mind what their life might hold tomorrow or how long would they live? Are they going to live to reach this age? You know, even going on today's, it's very like, especially it, it involves even with the pandemic going on now, right? We not exempt, nobody's exempt from it. We all living in this, we're dealing with this, right? Anything about life and death is is, is to reach all audience. Hmm. How did this collection of your poetry come about? Well, it came about, there was a time when I had like, I felt like I lost everything, especially the time when I wrote the poem, Lost But One. I felt like there was a point in my time where I lost everything, like everything just, I just felt like I lost everything. And that was a time when I started writing this book. And during this time, it was even during the time when I couldn't even find a job that fit my description or if I did apply, I did, I got turned down. And it was a time where I was just still the way, like from like this, everything around me. And I was just, you know, talking with the Lord and just, and he started pouring out certain things about certain things concerning him, what's on his heart, what's on his mind. I was able to stop. You know how the world's always going. We got to wake up in the morning, get our coffee, go to work. Mm get home, mm-hmm. make sure we eat it at a proper time. But this, there was a time where everything just stopped in my life. And I was able to stop and hear what God had to say. And it was a time where I learned about being still, learning about stillness, learning about life, learning about involving him in it. So the wider world seemed like it was going around me, mm-hmm. <laughs> like just in fast speed, like flash, I was still, and I was like very sensitive to the spirit. And that's where this book came about. And I just started writing. Mm. What was it like then when you got that first copy, you got to hold it in your hands after all that time? Oh my goodness. Holding it in my hand, I I cried. I just had like a moment where it was just, (laughs) I had like a special moment during my prayer time and I opened the book and I just started crying and just, Mm giving God praise. I was like, wow, this is something to show how faithful he is. He promised me a book and that was in my hands. And it's like, I'm living, (laughs) living the moment. It was just, it's just amazing. I was crying and just thanking the Lord for it. A lot of our listeners right now are aspiring authors. They, They have a message. They have a story that they want to tell the world as well. What advice could you give them? My advice is hold on to God's word. Don't stop where you at. It may seem like it's impossible, but you can be anything you want to be as long as you put your mind to it. And let God be your strength. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. That's how I got through my book. I didn't know how to finish it. I didn't know how 
how it was going to be done. I just had to let go and let God. And he helped me. He walked me through it. And that's also about fall within the title of being a life seeker, learning to apply God. Involve God. I promise you, he's going to see you through it. Well, April, thank you for using your gifts and your talents and the things that you've experienced in life to reach out and to help and encourage others. I encourage our listeners to check the book out. It's called From Death to Life, The Life Seeker, written by April McCamery. It's published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find this everywhere you shop for books like Amazon and Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. April, thanks again for coming on the show. I had a great time talking with you and learning about the book and hope we can do this again sometime soon. Yes, I would love that. (laughs) Thank you. Right here, I have a book that invites readers to come closer to the truth and recalibrate their spirit. It's titled Dancing with Angels, Songs and Poems of the Millennium. The author, Bill Brunhofer, is right here with me now. Bill, thank you for joining me tonight. Well, great to be with you, Corey. Can you tell me all about Dancing with Angels? What's this all about? Well, it's really about my life's journey, probably from the time I was, well, 1970. I wanted to help my mother, who was struggling with mental illness. And that was a quest that took me on a journey to find the truth. What was the truth of her situation? Hmm. Why could medical science not help her? I think in seeking, revelations came to me. And the revelations that came to me helped me look back at my life, my childhood, and all of my uh, my young life at that time. And I realized that there were points along my life where things happened and doors opened because I was looking in some sort of intervention and I became to realize that there were angels that were guiding me or spirits, if you will, Mm. something that was guiding me. And I wanted to know what it was. Is it just all in my mind (laughs) or is it another agent? I was kind of raised in a Christian home, but didn't have a lot of knowledge of the Bible or or where to go to, to find the truth. I started receiving these poems and writing them down, and, and then I began reading more poetry. And so the book is a compilation of just a handful of poems that I read in part one that have sort of inspired me and guided me along a path to find what is true, what can help my mother, which was a tangible concern that I had that kind of pushed me. And I think I I was led by unseen forces and I, I knew nothing about them. I wasn't really a spiritualist. I didn't have a sense of myself as a spiritual being or there being a spiritual world. And yet there were these impulses that I wanted to understand. At this time, I received this kind of word of revelation, I call it, which was the truth is inevitable. And I thought, wow, that's that's awesome. What do I do with that? <laughs> <laughs> I would say that overall, the book now is, is a reflection of, I would say, God pursuing me. Mm. His footprints, I found his fingerprints and his words were all over my life when I reflected back on circumstances and who were my guiding mentors, my mother, number one, she said to us as children, you know, if you can't say something good about someone, don't say anything at all. You probably heard that one, Corey. Once or twice. (laughs) Once or twice. (laughs) So the book is really about my own quest for truth to help my mother and, and what I found along the way that kind of guided me. And then suddenly I was given these poems, and I say that very sincerely. I, mm. I don't feel like I labored long to create them. 
they just like popped into my head and I wrote them down. I call myself a stenographer of, uh, mm. <laughs> of the inspiration that came to me. I simply wrote it down. In looking back, the poems kept guiding me and helping me. And then as they guided and helped me, I learned things. And as I learned new things, then I went back to those same poems, the, the ones in the first part, these famous poems, well-known poems, and more opened up to me as I learned more and struggled more to help my mother. Then, then I looked back at the poems and I could see more in them. Hmm. And I could see more within the poems that inspired me and the ones that were really given to me that helped me along my journey. So the book is really about my interaction with the unseen world and how I came to realize its importance and value. The name of the book is Dancing with Angels, Songs and Poems of the Millennium. It's written by Bill Brunhofer and published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find this everywhere that you shop for books like at Amazon and Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores, too. Well, Bill, thanks again for coming on the show here. I had a really great time learning about your book and about your poetry, and hopefully we'll be able to do this again sometime. Well, I hope so, too, Corey. I really appreciate your inviting me onto your show. And I wish you a great day. Where is God when hope seems so far away? Well, that's the question in Kimberly Sprayberry's new novel, A Home for Hope. And Kimberly is right here with me now. Kimberly, thank you for joining me tonight. Thanks for having me on. Can you tell me all about this story in A Home for Hope? Sure. When a tragedy strikes, it's a story about three broken people and how they help each other heal. The tragedy is um, a domestic violence situation that affects not only the victim's life, but the lives of other people inadvertently. Hmm. Where did the idea or the inspiration for this story come from? Well, I'm a victim of domestic violence myself and came up with the story one night through a dream. And when I woke up, wrote it down and started processing it from there. Oh, wow. Did you have a group of readers in mind whenever you wrote it? Usually the audience I try to target are Christians and people who love nonfiction, but also wanted to reach victims of domestic violence and child abuse. And that's the market I'm trying to target, not just with A Home for Hope, but with future works also. Hmm. Do you have anything in mind right now, anything concrete that you're working on for the future? Yes. In the editing stage of a biography and also in the beginning stages of a follow-up to A Home for Hope, the working title of that right now is Noah's Faith. So what's your writing background look like? Have you ever done anything like this before? I've written plays and articles for church, but nothing that has ever been published. Oh, congratulations on being published for the first time. Uh, did this take you a long time to do? Once I took it seriously, it took me about a year to get everything organized and written out. I think the editing stage took me longer because I wanted it to be perfect, but I don't think that ever happens. <laughs> and what would you say now that you're published for the first time? What's the most rewarding aspect of calling yourself a published author? I think for me, the most rewarding is being able to give back because 100% of the profits from the sale of the book is going to be donated to charities. Oh, wow. which help victims of domestic violence and child abuse. Mm. And that's been my goal for as long as I can remember, is to give back. 
now that you've been through it for the first time, I'm sure you learned a lot along the way. Would you have any words of advice for the aspiring authors who are listening right now? Write every day, even if it's just a little bit. Don't give up even after rejections because there's always someone there who is interested in your story. And I think everyone has a story to tell. Just don't give up on your dreams. Wonderful advice. Can you tell me what it was like whenever you got that first copy in your hands, holding it for the first time after all that time and work that went into it? Wow. Um, so many emotions. I was overwhelmed with um, relief that it was finally coming true. There were tears of joy and gratitude. Grateful that I'm finally able to share with the world and give back and leave something behind when I'm long gone from this earth. Would you say the writing of this book was an easy process for you, or were there a lot of stops and starts? There were a lot of stops and starts. I'm a mother of five and a grandmother of three, so life sort of gets in the way sometimes. <laughs> a writing can be such a lonely thing because you do it by yourself most of the time. Were there any people that you had around you in your life who knew that you were writing this and could kind of be there for support and encouragement? Yeah, there was a lot of people around that were supportive and encouraging, but the person most encouraging and supportive would be my husband, Doug. Mm. I think he's my biggest cheerleader and fan. Well, I encourage our listeners to check this book out. Like Kimberly said, 100% of the proceeds are donated to a great cause. It's called A Home for Hope, written by Kimberly Sprayberry and published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find it everywhere that you shop for your reading material, like at Amazon and Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and down the street at your local bookshop, too. Well, Kimberly, thanks for joining me. I had a great time learning about A Home for Hope. Thank you for your passion and, and using things that you've gone through to reach out and help others. It's been a really nice time talking with you. Thank you. You're invited to live a kingdom lifestyle in Susan Newton's new book, you Are Loved, Our Keys of Joy. Susan's right here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Susan, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining me tonight. Thank you for having me. I appreciate the opportunity to share. I'm glad that you're with me. Could you tell me all about You Are Loved, Our Keys of Joy? Well, it's basically a book that transpired because of my own life experiences. And I share then with other people who may have had similar life experiences, how to be able to walk with Jesus and God and the Holy Spirit, leading them out of a victim place and into a place of victory. Hmm. Susan, when it comes to writing and publishing, have you ever done anything like this before? I have. I did write another book about 10 years ago. And interestingly enough, the second book is actually a clear example of how people can change and how they can misinterpret things. The first book, I would say I was still, you know, working and living and being guided by Holy Spirit and working with God and Jesus, but I hadn't read the Bible yet. And Holy Spirit asked me to read the Bible. And when I read the Bible, everything turned into something that made much more sense and that I was able to really lead a life and live a life and understand the supernatural parts of my life that were happening that I didn't have an awareness of. I was raised with religion and wasn't really ever taught about spiritual warfare, about the Holy Spirit being a living spirit that lives inside of me. So when I started having experiences that were supernatural, but didn't have really a language for it, there were definitely things that were misinterpreted. So the first book was during that time frame. And then Holy Spirit asked me to read the Bible. I read the Bible and everything that didn't make sense began to make more sense. 
And then thus the second book. So (laughs) I repented for some of the things that were in the mixture within the first book. And the second book is just a clear example of once, you know, you have Jesus and God and Holy Spirit and the Lord's angels and the Bible and the word within you, and you have the ability to walk in a more honest and truthful spiritual way with the truth in hand and with Holy Spirit leading you. Hmm. which I didn't understand all that in the beginning. So yeah, the first book was sort of the beginning of my journey and the best I could understand it. And the second book became the truth and a living uh, a lifestyle of kingdom ways. Hmm. Would you say things got easier the second time around with the second book as far as writing it and going through the publishing process? The publishing process was much easier. Holy Spirit was very clear I needed to be published with a Christian publisher. Mm -hmm. The book itself took about 10 years total to write because the Lord was still working with me. (laughs) And of course, is still working with me. However, it did take about 10 years. And I actually lost one of the versions of the book on my computer. That was like a whole nother story. But yeah, once it once I got to a certain point in my own spiritual growth and my own wisdom and knowledge of the Lord sharing with me what was what was on his heart for my life, once I really came more into alignment with that, everything unfolded pretty quickly. Mm. I would say within about a year and a half of writing it and getting it published and and being at this point. Mm. Did you have a certain reading audience in mind when you were writing? I did. I really wanted to appeal to people who have maybe had turmoil in their lives and didn't understand really what was going on. Part of the book that I shared with people was that I thought it was normal to have extreme things happen in my life. You know, Mm. extreme turmoil to me felt normal. I didn't understand really all of what was going on and or how I needed to be equipped to handle those things. And so, yeah. I would love to affect people's lives who may have relationships that have gone awry, multiple of them, or have children who have issues that no matter what you try, it doesn't seem to help. Any life experiences in general, that, that, that was sort of the, the theme is that no matter what the life experience is or no matter what circumstance you're living, to be able to be peaceful and to have that joy and to have that confidence that whatever you're doing, you can give it to God and you can trust him that he loves you with all of his heart, no matter what's going on and that you can live that way on a daily basis. So I, w- I just really, really had it placed on my heart to be able to touch people who have circumstances in their life that they feel just a little bit out of control within or a lot out of control within and to have them remember who they are, that they are a child of God, that God loves them with all of his heart and that the Lord gave his life for us to be able to have us be forgiven and also then to be led by the Holy Spirit so that we can live that out, live the purpose that God has for us. I encourage everybody listening right now to check this book out. It's called You Are Loved, Our Keys of Joy. It's written by Susan Newton and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find it everywhere you shop for books, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Susan, thanks for stopping by the show. I had a really nice time finding out about your book and just chatting with you. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Born to Serve, The Trailblazing Life of Sam Sutton, Valet to Three Presidents, is the name of the new book by Samuel Sutton, Jr., And I'm really happy that Sam is right here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Sam, welcome to the show. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Corey. Thanks. Could you tell me all about your book? It's a book that people have been telling me about 
that I should write a book years ago. And it's about my upbringing and it's uh, about my, my life growing up in the South and plus joining the military right after high school. And like the family didn't have nothing back in the days. And I you know, like joined the military and I stayed in the military for like over 32 years. And this been a great tour, but the book is all about, you know, like I said, my upbringing military. And plus, I was able to work for three presidents of the United States. And now I've got a chance to see the world. But the most important thing in my life in this book was to, I adopted a, a little boy out of foster care at, when I was 50 years old. You know, mm-hmm. God has shown me a lot of signs of that. You know, my different chat, he closed doors, opened doors for me, you know through my life, you know, and it's like, it was like, uh, it's something I wanted to tell in this book, you know, and I was nervous about doing this, you know, because I'm putting myself out there, mm. but deep inside, as I pray and ask God about, you know, should I go, how do I go about this? It all came together two years ago. Mm. Is this the first time you've ever written a book or been published? The first time, first time. Yeah. Congratulations. Did it take you a long time to do? Yeah, it took almost two years because I had so I had a ghostwriting helping me two years, but he did give me a time of day, you know. Mm. And then I had someone else who sit on the book for like two years, and then I had the other, the, the third person I had. We did it in eleven months all together. It's in you know almost five years to do this book. And do you have plans to maybe write some more? Maybe get another book published? You know, I'm not for sure, Corey, because I have a lot of stories out there, and when I finished the book. With working with the ghostwriter, I thought that all the stories was in there, but I have about another book of good stories about life, about work for the presidents, meeting people, and this life, you know, and like it's not just the upbringing, but, you know, the way people treat people, you know, Hmm. and I was just trying to bring that all together, you know, as you know, but yes, I think I might have a second book, but I don't know when. Now, after all that time and hard work that you put into this book, uh, what were you feeling when you held that first copy in your hands? You know, it, it was it was a life changing. You know, mm. because it brought tears to my eyes because it's something that I have worked so hard for. You know, mm. and then and then have my son to be there with me when I received my first copy. He was he's twenty one now, and I adopted him when he was ten, and it was something. It was hard work, but you know, once I had that book in my hand, you know, it like brought tears to my eyes. You know. Because all the ins and outs and things that people had let me down and people said, don't, you shouldn't do this book. It's not going to be a good. And people was telling me that, won't you tell dirt, you know? And my thing, when I wrote this book, I didn't want to tell the dirt on the presidents on anyone. Mm. Because they asked me, I asked, well, I asked them for permission if, about writing the book. There was this President Clinton, Bush, and Obama. And they said, Sam, the only thing we need is a manuscript. So they got a manuscript, and I was good to go. But once I held that book in my hand, it was like, it was joy, you know, because all the hard work I've done with this book. And being your first one, I'm sure you learned a lot along the way. What words of advice could you give to the aspiring authors who are listening now? You know what, Corey? The thing is, I would tell, what I learned, I learned from President Bush is that every day he was taking notes recording everything he was saying and i know he was putting his book together at that time Hmm. and the whole time i was working in the white house i started that too i put you know because people was before i went to the white house people would tell me i should write a book you know so out the whole 11 years or so at the white house i was doing exactly what he was doing taking notes recording the things that happened in the military things that happened in the white house 
things that happen in childhood, it's, you have to take a lot of notes and be patient, you know. You have to, you know, a lot of notes. <laughs> well, I encourage our listeners to check this book out. It's called Born to Serve, The Trailblazing Life of Sam Sutton, Valet to Three Presidents. It's written by Samuel Sutton Jr. and is published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find it everywhere that you shop for your books, like Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Well, Sam, thanks again for coming on the show. I had a really nice time chatting with you. Okay, of course. Same here, sir. Readers find encouragement through the strength and perseverance of our ancestors. In Alda Stevens' new book, The Men of Genesis, Alda is right here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Alda, thank you for being here with me tonight. Oh, it's my pleasure. Can you tell me all about what you've written in The Men of Genesis? Well, the book, The Men of Genesis, is about the first glimpses of God's love for mankind. I love the Bible. It's just an awesome introduction to God's Word. And the book takes the young reader through the first six days of creation, and then it discusses the hardship, the unimaginable times that the men in Genesis went through, but their faith in the Lord sustained them. They went through difficult times, but they believed in God and, and wanted to do His will. And these men include Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. And they desired to obey God's commands. They never questioned the situation he put them in. They were willing to sacrifice what they had. And they didn't do it so they could get a pat on the back or conform to the world. Mm. But they did it to glorify God. And when I use the word conformity, I think of the Apostle Paul's words in Romans 12 too. Now, he wrote this approximately 1,700 years later, but he said in Romans 12 too, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And I believe that these men did just that. Mm. You mentioned young readers. What sorts of ages did you have in mind? The target readers are the preteens and the young adults. I teach fifth grade Sunday school. I've, I've taught Sunday school for 12, 13 years. This is the age span that is so critical. The Barna Group put out a study years ago, and I was talking to a Sunday school teacher about this, but the Barna Group put out a study years ago which stated that if we don't reach this age group, the preteens and the young adults, with God's Word, then we will have trouble reaching them as they get older. Mm. That's where my passion is, is to, or this age group, is to, you know, to reach them with God's Word. They live, I mean, we all know the times today. It's unprecedented times, and they need trust. They're looking for leadership, and there's no better person, no better entity than God himself to look for the leadership that they need in their lives. He will help them get through it. He will never desert them. I just have a passion for this age group. It's critical that we reach them with God's word. It definitely is. A lot of our listeners right now also have a passion, have a message, a story that they want the world to hear. Uh, what advice would you give to these aspiring authors? 
the advice I would give, I hate to use the cliche, just do it, because it does take some time. Writing a book, researching takes a while. It's not something you can do in 24 hours. It took me about a year to pull this book together. But in so doing, it just researching and reading and verifying the facts and pulling it all together. Have patience, have patience, be thorough and take your time and pull it together. But if you have the passion, then you need to do it. That's where it starts. Well, Alda, thank you for using your passion to reach out to these young readers and to offer them guidance and encouragement for what's going to be a truly trying life ahead of them. The name of this book is The Men of Genesis. It's written by Alda Stevens and is published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find this everywhere that you shop for your reading material, like at Amazon and Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Alda, thanks again for stopping by the show with me. I had a really nice time learning about the men of Genesis and just a really nice time chatting with you. It's been awesome, and thank you so much for this opportunity. The Grouch on the Couch. That's the new book by Denny Hook, and Denny is sitting here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Denny, thank you for joining me tonight. It is entirely my pleasure. Can you tell me all about The Grouch on the Couch? Is it a book about me? Because I think my kids might have referred to me as that uh, every once in a while. Well, unfortunately, at the top of the front cover, it says Denny Hook, and then it says The Grouch on the Couch. So they thought it was a self-story. <laughs> but really, in a sense, it's, it is about The Grouch, but it's also about transformation. Mm. And the hero, in my mind, is the tree not the grouch, but you would be able to see by the end of the end of it when you see the whole story. Can you think back to where you got the idea for this story? Well, it's, it's a complicated thing for me. It's yes and no. I wrote this poem many, many years ago, and I think it's the word is prescient because it like it just came to me, and it was one of the easiest ones I've ever written. Hmm. I think it anticipated my future when I became more in contact with that everything in nature is alive and that you can relate to plants and you can relate to trees. And so I had a relationship with a peach tree that uh, spurred me to put this into a children's book. And that's how I got here. Hmm. So you mentioned you've written before. Uh, now, when it comes to being published, is this your first time? This is my first published by a publishing house. I did publish a book, but it was about Seeing God in the Ordinary, mm. and it was based on essays that I wrote for my churches that tried to show that God is everywhere and not just in the extraordinary, but in the ordinary. It was called Snapshots of the Deity, which means seeing God everywhere. That was my first—it was self-published, though. And I am thinking about redoing it and not making it so churchy because it dealt with a lot of really, really great things. And my daughter and I are thinking about that, but we don't know whether it'll do it, but that's kind of where we are. Hmm. Now, with the grouch on the couch, did you have a certain group of readers in mind? You know, a friend of mine said he thought it was a book for adults. And when I wrote it, I did not write it for either children or adults. I wrote it because it came to me. It's like one of those Mozart things, you know, he didn't think it up himself. He just received it and wrote it down. That's kind of the way I mm. thought about this book. So I think it really can apply to both. However, in my mind, I think it ought to be children probably five, six and older if it's a children's book. Mm -hmm. And if it's a grandparent book, then it's for any age, you know. <laughs>
The illustrations are such an important part of children's books. Uh, what was that process like for you, working with an illustrator, getting everything to line up with your vision? Well, it was really quite fascinating. I think you might know that I asked my grandson, who was 16 at the time, to do the illustrations. And he taught himself oil painting just so he could do them. Wow. Ian, who is my grandson, he and I had different different visions of what everything would look like. But I decided if I asked him to be the illustrator, it needed to be his illustrations, not mine. Hmm. And he came up with something that... <laughs> I really, really love. And I think the publishing house did a really good job of getting the color schemes and things and making some slight change adjustments. And I really, really liked the illustrations and, and it did a great job. And I think it accomplished the purpose. So it was a wonderful thing for Ian and I to do together. And here's the thing, Corey, that it really got me when I first saw the book on the screen. I thought, this is Ian's book. Mm-hmm. The picture of the grouch is his. The story's mine, but <laughs> what, what you see is what Ian created. And I thought, this really is a good moment for him. So I was really proud of him and pleased that he and I could work together and it could come out in such, I think it's a wonderful book, the way it would come through. So it was fun working with him. This is a book that young and old alike will enjoy. It's a story of hope and really appreciate, Denny, all your hard work on it. It's called The Grouch on the Couch, written by Denny Hook, published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find this everywhere that you shop for your reading material, like at Amazon and Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Denny, thank you again for stopping by the show. I had a really nice time learning about The Grouch on the Couch and just a really nice time talking with you. Well, Corey, thank you very much for your time and your effort, and I hope it does well. We hope you enjoyed this edition of the Reader House Author Roundtable, where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. We hope to see you back here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and PodServe, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where independent new authors come first.